This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. I'm back. I took a little bit of a break after we did our HITS seminar, but now I'm back and I have uh, quite a few great podcasts coming to you. The first one that I I have coming to you today is with uh, Bill Lewis. And Bill's been on our show several times before. But uh, he sends out uh, the newsletters, and I'll give him the, I'll have him give you the information on how to sign up for his newsletters. He always does, uh, I think, very good newsletters, and they're always uh, on topic of, of something that is, is kind of going on in our industry right at this time. So um, lately, I, I've talked to him about several that he's put out, um, but he put out one recently about redefining your canine unit. So I brought him on here today because I think it's a, it's a good subject to, to kind of keep hammering in that... You know, we're in a bit of a precarious uh, situation in all of law enforcement. And I just like uh, hearing from different people, giving some ideas about what we can do to protect, you know, the valuable spot we have in our industry. So uh, with that, uh, Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing really great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. And I know you've been on here several times, so I, I, I don't think we'll go through a whole bunch of your background. If people haven't uh, heard of your background, uh, we can find you at your website, which is... If you'll give us that. Uh, the website is tactical, the K9USA.com. So check out his website, but in a nutshell, Bill, I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for how many years now? Well, I've been working around police dogs almost 42 years. So, um, you know, I was a handler for a while. I was a canine supervisor and actually now I've, spent more time teaching and training um than i think i did working so um trying to stay on top of everything and stay current and your expertise is is obviously liability you do a lot of different things but would you say your your expertise is teaching you know supervisors and liability related issues yes supervisors and handlers i mean i teach a class canine liability 360 and um greg tawny and i are teaching a class called canine supervision 365 uh, and it's just basically dealing with the liability involved with running a uh, a canine program again both for handlers and supervisors sure and um is obviously the world is changing you know in all of if uh you know law enforcement definitely the last couple years we've seen a lot of uh, you know changes and and maybe uh some different feelings hopefully the pendulum swings back a little bit but when it comes to just police dog stuff, um, we'll get into it a little deeper. But what would you say the forecast is, and is, you know, what's the outlook if if uh, if we just talk about just maybe patrol dogs that are out there finding people? I I, th- I think that we have to be cautious, and I think we have to be aware, and I also think we need to be aggressive. Um, I think there's an attack on police dogs, patrol dogs. Um, Specifically, and I'll use the term, I never use the term normally, but bite dogs. And, um, and there's a lot of people out there, legislators, um, media, and they're picking apart, you know, some of our, our bad instances. And we've had a few. Um, and they're involving bites. 
uh, some on criminals and some not on criminals, and they're focusing just on the bites. And as we both know, the police dogs are doing a lot more than that. Exactly. We have to then share the the other side of that, and we kind of got to redefine what I what I mentioned, what, how we're using our dogs, and really start selling that. Which brings us to the newsletter, and I, I was talking to you before we started recording. That a lot, I always like your newsletters. I think you do you know a, a real good job on all of them. But every once in a while, and I always call you or text you when one kind of hits a chord. And this late, latest one on redefining your canine unit, redefining you know looking at ourselves. I thought that was a really good. It was the timing was good. It was well written as always. So let's just talk about that. You know, if you want to uh, you know kind of summarize what you put in there. Yeah, I I I think. I think, again, what I've seen like the last two or three years, and I also work as an expert witness. I've got a case going right now in uh, California. I just finished up one in California. Um, so I'm kind of looking more and more at what's going on. And, and again, I, I'll throw the bite out there as something that has really taken place. In my last, my last court case, it wasn't about the deployment. It was about the duration of the bite. Um, and the other people, probably a lot more smarter than I, that are out there, you know, giving advice and everything, are talking about how we have to change what we're doing. And some of these changes are actually very simple. It doesn't take a lot of work. And, and some of it is just words. Um, not changing your tactics, per se. Not changing what you're doing. Uh, but just changing some of the terminology and the p- approaches you took. And so redefining the purpose of your police dog uh, or your program is one of the things that uh, has been recommended uh, recently, and it, and it takes nothing to do. But what it is, that was my reminder for <laughs> our, our earlier uh, yeah. session. Um, and so what we need to do is we have to get away from the bite aspect of police work. And, and we can't, we do this again by just a simple take a look at your policy and a lot of the policies, because a lot of policies are based on the Lexable model, but um, they give you some uh, some purposes. And, and pretty much what they're talking about is that your purpose of the dog is to uh, locate individuals in contraband and apprehend bad guys. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not what the policy says. But, but um, So just taking that, you know, you're out there locating and apprehending. And what we need to do, in, in a, and you can modify that very simply, and you could just put in here that your primary purpose is to locate individuals in contraband. And then secondarily, you're assisting in the apprehension of criminal offenders. Yeah. Now, that's, that, that is so simple. Um, and yet it's like pulling teeth to get some people to make that change in their policy. But the message that we then start sharing with everybody is that, hey, and, and your statistics will back this up. You're using your dogs to find people. You're not using them to bite people. Exactly. Most of the time. Exactly. And your bite ratios, you know, the 2%. You know, I had some handlers in the class the other day. Nobody got the bite yet. Um, but how many people are you finding? And, you know, they're finding 50, 100. Yeah. Um, and so the emphasis has to be on that despite what the other people are doing it because one bad bite or even one good bite, that's what the – the people who are going against us are pointing out. Exactly. And I think, like you say, it's just, it's some of it's wording, and I think it's just putting the emphasis on what is the irreplaceable part 
of a patrol dog and it's the locating part if we're only looking at the less lethal option of what he does when he apprehends somebody we have other tools that you know maybe people would rather us use for those types of things but when you pair it with the locating part of the dog there is no other tool to replace him with so i like the idea of stressing you know the locating part and what the real value is so when we come under attack or if we have administrators who start getting a little queasy about everything we do and don't want to have to answer for it before they take the easy road out of saying well we just won't use it i like the idea of of putting down in paper and 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 start advertising us for clearly what what we have done since we've had police dogs it's just kind of changing changing the mindset and the uh you know our branding a little bit you know, absolutely. Yep, you hit it right there. Um, we are sometimes our own worst enemy. Um, and if I was to, you know, and, and, and I've looked at, you know, training records, I've been out of training. Um, and what do I see normally? I see dogs taking bites. I, you know, and I see that emphasis. And if people listening to this right now take a look at their own training records, I would ask them, how many of your training exercises recently have involved a bite or ended with a bite? Now, for a green dog and a new dog, you know, who's learning, yeah, that's what happens as part of what's going on. I, I, I'm good with that. But if you've been a handler now for a year, two years, three years, are you still working on the bite aspect of your work? Um, and is it necessary? Um, and so that balance has got to shift somehow. And one of the easy ways to do this, and I just, and I, again, this is stuff that I'm just kind of trying to emphasize more and more. I'm not saying you don't have to have a bite at the end of your training find, but you don't have to record it. And now you might, people might say, oh, oh, you're trying to manipulate your stats. No, I'm not. I'm going to run an exercise, and I'm going to have somebody who is inaccessible behind a door, and the goal of this training is to get my dog to find them, find being our primary, you know, mission. Yeah. And, and, and then we're going to take this guy into custody. Now, once that dog, you know, finds him behind the door, behind a door and they start barking and barking and barking i can hook that dog up i can tell the the decoy hey come on out bad guy bad guy comes out maybe we simulate a handcuffing or whatever and and technically we're done with our training exercise yeah. now if there's a reason or i do you know if your dog does require a bite then to keep its stimulation up we can do that but we're already off the books and we can, you know, do something really quick, like, you know, the decoy could do anything. Yeah. Do a yell, do a runaway, do yeah. anything. Send the dog in a bite, get the bite. But you know what? That wasn't part of the exercise. Okay. And that's how we have to start kind of looking at what we're doing. Because I think if somebody, again, and I've done, you know, I've done a few audits recently where I look at the training records, and they're pretty much bite-oriented. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I'm here. Uh, doing some training this week and I did it last week and I think sometimes when we're running scenarios um, in canine training that was one of the things we ran in today when we set up a scenario was I think sometimes the handlers when they're coming through you know we're, we're at the, I'm at the western states canine here again uh, like I do every year we got I don't know around 100 teams and when you get some of these teams when they're coming through I think sometimes they're thinking well it's canine training so there's automatically a bite, and we're trying to push decision-making, at least my scenario, I was trying to push a decision-making scenario 
where if they did everything right, there wasn't a bite, there wasn't even a deployment, if they just slowed things down and gathered the information. But I think sometimes in training, because we do what you say, we're emphasizing biting so much that it skews their thought process, which becomes almost like a muscle memory where they're not slowing things down and saying, hey, wait a minute, what are the facts? And if, if the people today, if they would have just asked a couple questions, and several of them did, then they stopped and said, well, I can't deploy. And I said, okay, the scenario is over. But I think some other ones thought, well, we're at canine training, so you know, I can send my dog because there's a bite here. So I, I, I see what you're saying, and I think it's, it's just a good, friendly reminder. Well, and, and you know what, too, and again, I know there are probably some people listening out there right now are thinking, what the heck? Training without biting, that's not what we signed not up a, for. Yeah. But some of these scenarios, like the, just whatever scenario that you're running, you know, right now where there should not be a bite, um, again, this is kind of that balance that we have to see because, again, in the real world, most of your uh, real world deployments don't end with a bite. So we have to show, you know, that balance in the muscle memory for the dog as well. However, you can run that same scenario that you just laid yeah. out for somebody. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, they say, you know what, I'm not deploying. I don't have the criteria. Perfect. Yeah. And in a few words, you could change up that scenario yeah. and turn it into a bite scenario. Yeah. So what you've done there in a very limited amount of time is you set up a bite scenario and you've set up a don't bite scenario. And your training records can show that. And when you're doing these audits, I think, you know, I've done a few myself, and I would imagine one of the things that I see that's missing is the scenario-based, you know, decision-making scenarios from the handlers that are crucial right now, both for the practicality of it and also to have it recorded so you can show that we're, we're making these decisions or making these handlers make decisions while they're under some type of stress. Yeah, absolutely, and and more and more, um, and, and and we're getting away from this, like you just said, like an automated response to send a dog on a bite because that's what we do in training, um, and so our our training philosophies kind of ha- they have to change, and we can still take advantage of that time to make our dogs strong, make them dependable. If they're going to bite, it's going to be nice and firm, and they hold on to that bite till we take them off. But at the same time we got to have that balance where we're also training our handlers in that decision-making. And we could do it very easily with the scenario-based training to take advantage of both the bite situations and the non-bite. And if we're showing a 50-50 balance in our training records, you know, that's going to be good if somebody comes and starts accusing you of just having a bite mentality. Exactly. This is a an irreplaceable tactical tool that, serves a purpose that right now nothing else is going to take their place so we got to make sure that we like i like i said earlier rebrand it and make sure that we're emphasizing all of the irreplaceable parts of it not not the bite part as much yeah and you know and and i'm really uh, i've taken a whole different perspective now on keeping statistics um i used to i mean we kept a lot for us but they were pretty much basic but nowadays um uh, I'm suggesting other things to keep track of. And, you know, again, if I was to ask, you know, uh, a handler out there listening, what percentage of your uh, scenarios uh, are bite-related, you know? And I, I'm i going to tell you right now, I'll just guess. 
they're probably 75% or yeah, more. I would imagine, um, yeah. Yeah, and again, you could run two scenarios and make your first scenario uh, perhaps a non-bite or even a bite and then change up your words, and you can run two scenarios, you can log two different things, and pretty soon your statistics show, hey, we're doing about a 50-50. You know, 50% yeah. of these relate. You have a fine, 50% no bite. Yeah. Um, and it's good for the dogs, too, because they don't think they're yeah. a biting machine. They realize, hey, you know, not every scenario I get to play on it ends up in a bite. Well, Even I guess it, they could still get a bite off the record. Yeah, and I think what one of the things that, as we're talking about this that reminds me, and I know that you'll probably remember it too. It, it's probably been what twenty five years ago that we were being accused of doing what they called reward bites at the end of tracks. And I, I don't know if you remember any of that, but I remember then a lot of yeah, yeah. a lot of people changed their ways of tracking and start taking the bite out of the end of every track. And lo right. and behold, the dogs start tracking better because they weren't getting frantic and lifting their heads up and running you know, towards the end trying to figure out where they were going to be able to bite somebody. And, and so it was one of those things that there was some resistance at it. And now to this day, I'd say that when we talk to people when they're practicing tracks, that a lot of times there isn't a bite at the end of tracks. When I think, right. at least you, at least I know, when I was doing tracks at the beginning, there was always a bite at the end of a track because that's how we were, we were laying the track and someone would be at the end with a sleeve or something and we'd, we would uh, make sure they ended with a bite and we thought that it was necessary. Well, not only that, I did not track. I've been to a few tracking uh, seminars and, and a few training exercises. We we pretty much did win since. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I, I, I read was, and, and talked to some trainers, that, again, when this bite doesn't always come at the end, the dogs, too, are, are even more effective when yeah. you're looking for missing persons or Alzheimer's patients, yeah. you know, um, because the dog now is not, you know, I'm probably not going to get a bite at the end of this thing. And if there's a bad guy, you know, the handler knows how to work it. But if you're looking for a missing person, what's that drive? What's that motivation yeah. that the dog wants to, to seek? Yeah, so if we're emphasizing hunting and locating, then we should probably emphasize that in our training as well, whatever type of training we're doing. Yeah. Well, again, I think people just have to start looking at their training records, their training format. Um, again, um, it, it doesn't take a lot of work. And yeah. I think that, that the resistance to some of these simple suggestions that I've been giving is that it's viewed as work as opposed to think about the people who are going to come after you. You know, yeah. the state of Washington, I, I use them as a uh, – they almost lost their police dogs up there in 2021. Um, yep. I mean, literally, there was legislation to eliminate the dogs to be used for arrest, arrests and apprehensions. And that had evolved from uh, all uh, deployments would be on lead. Yeah. And they were successful. The Washington State Police Canine Association, they fought back. And they did an excellent job, and they got that legislation removed. But what they did was they learned why they wanted to eliminate them yeah and a lot of it revolved around the bites and a lot of it you know revolved about hospitalizations and some things that were easy to refute but they did it instead of just sitting back and waiting yeah. for it which brings to the the other part of your newsletter that i told you i liked was uh you know that if you're if you're reading this newsletter or you're listening to this podcast and you think yeah you know my agency my the canine unit i'm part of you know, we need a few changes, but, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully the command takes it upon themselves to do that. And at the bottom of your newsletter, you just said basically that if you don't do it, who's going to do it? So um, 
if you want to touch on that well, for it, a minute. No, absolutely. And and I actually closed out my class the other day with kind of this. It was, um, and again, I have handlers and supervisors in this class. And I think sometimes handlers feel like I'm just a handler. Yeah. Um, you know, this is above my pay grade. Nobody listens to me. I, you know, I, I won't make a difference. And, and that's not the right kind of attitude. Um, I think change begins with everybody. Change begins with a handler. Change begins with your supervisor. And if you just want to sit back and wait, then you're going to suffer the consequences. Sure. You know, handlers, these are motivated people. You know, these are some of the best people in our department. Um, and sometimes when we put them into canine, we don't take advantage of those same things that we uh, hired them for. Yeah. And, um, and at the same time, I mean, I was one who, if I thought I could make a, a difference, I, I tried. Yeah. You know, and I got turned down sometimes, but, but at least I gave it that try. And what's going on now and what I tried to instill in the class this uh, last couple of weeks ago was that don't sit back. You know, go home and, and make some change. Um, for the positive, sure. not necessarily what I recommend, because I mean, I, I have a lot of recommendations. But again, take a look at that, how you can defend your program. Yeah. And if, uh, again, something as simple as changing your policies, it will, we primarily, our dogs are used primarily to locate people and contraband. And so, okay. And then your, your bite ratios will support that. Yeah. Your training records should support that. And if somebody comes knocking at your door, because I know people in the in the Bay Area in Northern California, there's a, a couple of news articles that have come out recently on them. Yeah. Focusing on like bites. Yep. And only a handful. But what they're ignoring is the thousand other apprehensions that have occurred with these dogs that they ignore because that's not newsworthy. Yeah. And I can say that, uh, you know, when when we talk about being, you know, a safety measure for, for the officers, while I think most citizens do care about our safety, these activists that are pushing for it and stuff, I don't think they care much about our safety. They'd rather push their radical agenda. So, um, I th- Oh, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. You, mentioned, you mentioned something a little bit ago, and I kind of want to pivot just a little bit, when you talked about doing expert witness cases and the duration of the bite. So... Um, I'll let you just kind of pivot a little bit and just talk about those, you know, those, the cases that are coming up. Cause I know, um, I've heard several of them. I've seen some, I've had a few, I've not worked any cases myself on those, but I, I've talked to a few, uh, different people who are all working all, all of the group of people who do, you know, a lot of expert witness cases. That seems to be the primarily, you know, one of the big subjects right now is the duration of the bite. So, um, can you touch on that for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, for you know, years and years, I mean, uh, most canine deployments are good. You know, ninety-five yeah. percent of them, if not more, yeah. are good. Yeah. And I think the plaintiffs' attorneys are understanding and realizing that. Yeah, do we make some mistakes still? We do, but for the most part, our deployments are good. Yeah. Where we're seeing problems now is well, twofold really. One, how long are we allowing the dogs to remain on a bite? And two. How long is it taking us to get the dog off the bite yep. when we've made the determination that excessive force is no longer reasonable? Um, and so with this recent case I had, um, again, it was a domestic violence situation. Suspects at the top of the stairs, refusing to come down. They're telling him he's under arrest. 
um, and they deployed the dog up the stairs. Um, and the court ruled, hey, the deployment was good. Actually, they ruled that the deployment was not unlawful, but same thing. Yeah. Um, and so then it got into the duration of the bite. And on the body-worn cam, we kn- I know that the dog was released and the dog was taken off within 42 seconds. How long it took the dog to get up and actually get that initial bite, eh, it was probably a couple of seconds. Yeah. Who knows? That's what we focused on. And I did a deposition probably uh, three, four weeks ago, um, and kind of that's where we were focusing. And I thought it was all good. In fact, the body-worn camera was footage was excellent yeah and the minute you can and they and the minute you can hear that dog in the bite the sergeant in the background he's telling them okay let's move i mean no hesitation yeah. dogs on a bite boom let's move let's and they begin us and, and i don't use i didn't use in my report the term slow but what i would say in this podcast is they used a slow methodical movement that was safe to go up those stairs check all the extra bedrooms that had not been cleared let the handler get up there. And I think the handler got made contact within like 37 yeah. seconds. Boom. And he told the dog release. The dog released. And it was all, it was all yeah. good in the hood. Yeah. Um, but, but the key to that, what I just said, he told him to release and he released. Yep. And there's some videos running around right now um, where, you know, handlers are telling their dog to release and they're not letting go. Yeah. And, you know, they had one involving a neck bite that lasted about a minute. And it's pretty painful to watch. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's viral and everybody's seen it. But uh, on the neck for a minute. And yeah. He couldn't, and he gave him that out command, like, within seconds of getting a hold of him and couldn't get him off. That's the other thing that's going to get us in trouble. And that's the other thing that we really, we really in our train have got to focus on our ability to get the dogs off a bike. And I don't care verbal, and I don't care if it's tactical or hands-on or whatever, the hard out. There's got to be, once again, a balance. Um, and you should be doing both. And you should be, you know, really emphasizing the ability to get your dog off a bite. Quickly. And I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we, we've talked, too, before about uh, using whatever you want to call them, breaker sticks, breaker bars, whatever, tactical tools or whatever. So... Give me your thoughts on those. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was at the HIT seminar, um, I, and we never used a breaker bar. You know, I know a couple times we put something in their mouth. Yeah. I, I really wasn't even familiar with that term breaker bar. But in one of my classes at uh, HITS, somebody asked me, hey, what do you think about the breaker bar? Because we were talking about the ability to get the dog off a bike. Yeah. And I pretty much told him this. I don't care what you use. To get that dog off a bite. If it's a breaker bar, so be it. But if you're using a breaker bar, you need to work on not using a breaker bar down the road. Yeah. Uh, just to, again, show the control of your dog and your dog's willingness to respond to your command. Um, but I think I even, well, and this is an article, and I actually put that um, on my website, the breaker bar. Um, but I put in there, I mean, I said, I don't care if you have to use a breaker bar, a crowbar, or a two-by-four piece of wood. You know, get that dog off the bite when it's time to do it. Yeah. And I think talking about getting the dog off the bite, I have concerns over when you see, you know, maybe a a takedown in the middle of the street and immediately the suspect rolls over and you can see his hands and he's saying, okay, I give up, I give up. The dog's on a bite. And then 
you know, I think the situation is the same. Basically, what you're describing, that you're moving up to that guy immediately. I personally prefer a verbal out to get the dog away from the guy. I think there's arguments to be said either way. But one way or another, the whole idea of having a person, you know, with their hands up, saying, okay, okay, I give, I give, I'm, I'm done. And then having the team start formulating a plan, taking their time, you know, walking up, you know, and leaving the dog, you know, on the bite for whatever period of time when he's surrendering, um, that's going to, I think, personally, I think that's going to come back and bite us. Well, you know, and, and I've, I've been in a few of your classes where you've talked about the verbal out as well, and I, and I know how you feel about it. Me, personally, I'm a, of the hard out class. Uh-huh. Um, although, again, for me, my my out was always a verbal out, and I just held the dog's collar to, to maintain yeah. control. I never had to physically remove him. I just grabbed his collar, told him to let go, he let go, and we you know went off there. But you're right. Middle of the street, people looking, a guy's got the hands out. You still don't know if he's armed or not. Um, but uh, but for Joe Citizen watching, they're thinking to themselves, whoa, what's going on here? How yeah. come that dog's still on the bite? And sometimes... This, and again, I think this goes back to our, our training preparation. The ability to put an arrest team together right away and not take our time, like you mentioned. Let's move. If you want to take him off strong, get over there and take him off strong. Yeah. Right? Because we still don't, we think he might still be armed. Or, you know, that's just one of those gut calls you've got to make. If, you're, if you've got cover and you're not standing out in no man's land and you want to do a verbal out, you should be able to do one. Um, but everybody's got their own thoughts. But yeah. It just boils down to this, and, and, and again, I say this, and again, this is what I believe in training needs to really hit home. Every training session, you should be doing a verbal out. Every training session, you should be doing a, a hard out and, and recording that and making sure you're proficient. A lot of people say, hey, I would never use a verbal out on the street. That's cool, uh, but if your certification requires it and something happens where you cannot physically remove your dog, you better be able to verbal yep. out. And if you don't train for it, your dog's not going to expect that command to be given. I agree. And I think you should be doing verbal outs on a person who's still screaming and moving, um, prone yep. people, the people that we actually yep. find, not a person who just stops moving, goes completely still, and cooperates with everything because those aren't the people that are usually going to be the ones we need to do an emergency you know, call-off. You know, if you get the... right. The, one of the, the scenarios I set up today, you know, if they made a few wrong decisions, they would be biting an innocent person. And some of these handlers well, would kick back into, even though they were, they knew right away, because I had, I had a male suspect, but I had a female decoy. And when, when they heard the woman screaming, some handlers went up and they started ordering the, the female decoy to show me your hands. And they went back to what, you know, this is the steps I do to release my dog. And we can't we can't do it in the times like that. It's got to be that verbal out right. and get the dog back out of there. Right, and then again, um, you know, you're talking about what happens on the street. Well, if we go looking at your training records, have you been preparing for that moment? Yep. You know, have you been preparing for when you normally would do one thing one way? It's just not possible. So you got to go to you know Plan B, and if Plan B is that verbal out, or if it's the hard out, is are your training records showing that you're really preparing? Um, and I think that's, again, where there's got to be a change in the emphasis, not so much in a change of what's happening, but I would place a very strong emphasis today on verbal outs and hard outs, both. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And and I I, I I like wrapping it up with this that you know what you what you've said several times and we just to reiterate it. This isn't really a change in how we operate because I think I think our industry is good and I think what we do has a huge amount of value or I wouldn't have you know dedicated my whole adult life to this. But uh, I think that it's it's all about letting people understand what we do better, you know, and I think. You know, we have sometimes we have, you know, for, uh, you know, maybe the T-shirts that show the snarling dog isn't the best branding for what we do, because that's not that's not what we're doing. We're out there, you know, finding people and making it safer for officers and protecting the community. So what you're what you're saying here doesn't really require much change in how we operate, how we deploy, how we train. It just has a change in, you know, some of the the semantics of, of what we're doing and just rebranding a little bit about how we do things. And I think, you know, that could go a long ways, you know, down the road. Cause uh, you know, the pendulum will swing back. I think you and I have seen it go back and forth in our careers, but right now it's not in a good spot. And before it comes all the way back, some of these attacks are going to keep coming. And I just really worry that, you know, that could spread like wildfire. If, if one state, if Washington had said no more police dogs, you know, what would that have done? to other states you know I, i'm in a, a state that is not super pro police either maybe they would have wanted to emulate what what washington did so it's it's a bit of a it's i don't i don't think the sky is falling personally but i think we're in a little bit of a precarious position that we should uh you know listen to people like you that are are you know given some really good advice and then look at you know as a handler um what can i do to start pushing this up the chain because the chiefs and everybody else they're not looking at this the way we do we have the passion for it so we should protect our profession no absolutely and um it, again I, I you know it's it's not people like me who are going to make that difference it's people who are out there working today um who've got to take a look at their profession and say do i want to continue doing this and do i want to allow others in the future continue doing this and what can i do today or maybe tomorrow at the latest yeah. to make a difference in my department. And again, if I could just wait, are you telling me that if I just changed a couple of words in our policy, that could help us if somebody tries to you know, do us harm? Uh, yes, it could. Yeah. And that's just, you know, the, there's a, there, and there's very simple things out there that don't take a lot of work. We're not talking about revamping a unit. We're talking about an attitude here. Exactly. And give, give your, admin a little bit something to defend what you do you know because they're not thinking about the way we do so give them the the tools which is usually the proper words to defend what we do absolutely well that's good stuff bill i mean i i appreciate it it's uh you know a little bit later here we're both uh, on west coast time right now so i appreciate you uh taking the time to as always and uh i know you've been traveling a lot i saw you a month ago at hits and i think you've been doing quite a few classes so i appreciate jumping on and uh staying busy can you uh can we end this with the the website one more time and from the website i know you can sign up for your newsletter yeah the website again is tactical and then a k9 usa.com and if you don't find it there training and consulting team on a google search should uh direct you over there also Um, and on the website you can sign up for the newsletter and it's not really a it's not as much of a newsletter it's more of an email blast when something 
hits me, I send it out and share yeah. it. I don't, I don't overwhelm your your uh, your mailbox. Yeah, um, and it's not a things are hit. It's it's not a uh, uh, a infomercial either about you know come to my classes. It's always got good information in it, so I I, appreciate I probably should the do format. that. <laughs> now, <laughs> and also I've got there's articles there's articles that are on the website free to take a look at, and then I've got over fifty uh, reasons we get in trouble um, mentioned on there that people can look at and just peruse at your own time. So it's good stuff, and I, I as always I mean I, I appreciate everything you're doing to to kind of just keep keep things relevant and and uh moving forward so i uh, thank everything for for the time and and uh you know keep doing what you do it was my pleasure and i hope everybody out there stays safe all right thanks again bill all right